0: John Ziegler here, excited to announce that we have our first sponsor of the Individual One podcast. Now, as you'd probably expect, I do not do endorsements unless I actually use the product. And I just started using this one. It's Imbue CBD. If you're a golf fan like I am, and you've probably read about how CBD is all the rage with all sorts of respected people raving about the various positive physical aspects of CBD, especially among people like me who are, let's face it, starting to feel the impact of aging. Recently, I started trying multiple products from Imbue CBD. And I can already tell that, among other things, I am for sure sleeping more soundly. And my wife says she loves the Imbue CBD facial cream. Although, to be honest, she doesn't need it. In case you haven't heard, CBD is the powerful extract from the hemp version of cannabis. And while it may offer many of the health benefits of marijuana, there's no high, it's legal, and doesn't require a prescription. The source I trust for CBD is Imbue CBD. This is a top-of-the-line product and classy in every way. Consequently, Imbue CBD is not inexpensive, but I got you a discount to explore all the many ways CBD might be able to help you. Go to imbuecbd.com and get 25% off when you enter John Z. Again, enter John Z for 25% off at imbuecbd.com. That's imbuecbd.com. Promo code John Z. This is episode number 125 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. And I'm your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the critically acclaimed program which takes an honest and very hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a truly conservative perspective because, unfortunately, no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. And unlike the corporate media, we here at the Individual One podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co-opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review and share it via social media and follow us on Twitter at individual, the number one pod. That's at individual, the number one pod. Well, the screenwriters for the 2020 election and life in general have really been working uh, overtime as of late as we reach the climax of this election season in less than a month. Oh, two weeks ago, we had the the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That was Crazy, And we're still about to see the aftermath of that and whether or not uh, her replacement, named by President Trump, is going to be actually confirmed and nominated. Now, she's already been nominated. Will she be confirmed? I still think that's an open question, at least before the election. Uh, Then uh, last week we had the the crazy debate, the debate that was just uh, absolutely insane, so insane that CNN rightfully called it a shit show. And then because the screenwriters just want to screw with us even further, we have the latest development where President Trump has tested positive for COVID and gone into the hospital. Boy, that escalated quickly. And, of course, you know, with regard to the coronavirus, we all know from the last seven months of media coverage that getting COVID is already a near-death sentence, even if you are healthy, and if you are 74... And male and obese, like President Trump, well, you really have very little chance of surviving. And obviously things went down very quickly from uh, Trump's admission into Walter Reed Medical Center. Uh, He was put on a ventilator. Uh, he lost consciousness. He's not been able to communicate for days. Uh, Dr. Fauci has said that he is likely to die any moment now. If we get an update on that uh, during the podcast, we will clearly bring you that information to uh, when the president actually does pass away. But it does appear now, uh, as expected, based upon a pandemic of this Magnitude that we've shut down the world for. Obviously, someone who is in that kind of a vulnerable demographic, if they get the coronavirus, it's over. And so, this is expected. Uh, Trump is likely to pass away very, very shortly. And I guess that means then that Vice President Pence will take over. And whether or not he can be replacing Trump on the ballot is going to be a major concern and question here. Uh, Going forward, I don't I don't know what the legalities are uh, regarding that. Obviously, you can't reverse the ballots that have already been handed out. But Trump obviously is going to pass away because of everything we know, or at least we've been told, about the coronavirus. Well, obviously, none of that is true. All I know is what's on the Internet. Uh, The reality is that ironically, very ironically, Donald Trump appears to be close to proving that his view of the virus in the beginning wasn't that far off. He just didn't trust his instincts. Uh, Yes, he went to the hospital, but uh, he probably didn't need to. He did that for extreme precautions because he's the president of the United States. And he uh, went out of the hospital in less than three days. And it appears as if he's doing fine, although uh, it, it does, from his Twitter feed, it does seem as if he's on some sort of steroid high. Because he's gone completely nuts on Twitter. Uh, But health wise, despite what Dr. Fauci is still warning, uh, I am convinced that uh, Donald Trump is going to be just fine. I always thought he was going to be just fine when he got this uh, because the reality is that statistically, this virus is nothing close to what we were told it was going to be. If in March you had said Trump got this, you would have expected that he would either die or very come close to to come very close to dying uh, because of his demographics. But now that we know more about it, statistically, as Scott Atlas, his uh, herd immunity advisor, if you will, in the White House, that has been mocked by the media, but I think is probably more correct than anybody else close to the president on this, has said Trump statistically has every reason to be perfectly fine. And that's probably what's going to happen. But it's rather ironic that at the moment that he is in his own world, in his own way, through his own experience, kind of proving that we need to get beyond this and deal with it and not let it destroy our lives as we have for the last seven months, his presidency is about to come to an end. I do find it to be rather ironic there that as his health improves and he is single-handedly showing that his instincts on the virus were correct, he's losing his presidency. It is effectively over. He is not going to win re-election. In fact, also ironically, the only scenario I see currently where he could possibly win re-election is if Joe Biden gets the coronavirus and actually doesn't rebound the way that it appears President Trump has. So I do think that's indicative of the upside-down world in which we're living. Everything is is exactly the opposite of the way it should be in a rational world. Some people should be going and looking at what's happening with Trump and the virus and going, oh, okay, maybe it's maybe it's not that dangerous. Maybe maybe he was kind of right about that. Maybe maybe we have overreacted here. But, But no one's doing that. One, because everyone's already picked their narrative. Everyone's already deeply invested in their fairy tale. And of course, and I've seen this happen and I even predicted that this would happen uh, the, the liberals have adopted the narrative that, well, he's the president, so he just has access to health care that no one else has access to. And that's why he's he's doing well. Or and or they have t- picked both these lanes. Both. He's getting extraordinary treatment that no one else has access to. And uh, he's not really doing that well. That's that's the other narrative they like. Uh, oh, did you see him huffing and puffing when he returned to the White House? Uh, he's 74 and obese. I know I, I plenty of 74-year-olds who are obese, who and puff on a normal basis, uh, having nothing to do with the, the coronavirus. But the liberals are going to pick whatever uh, narrative fits their agenda, and no one's going to change their mind. And the polling over the last couple of days has been horrific for Trump, and it's not going to change dramatically uh, in in less than four weeks, which is basically where we are Uh, between now and the election. And so I'll get to why I'm now convinced that this election is effectively over, barring some sort of act of God, and it really would take a dramatic act of God. But first, let's go back and review what happened with uh, Trump getting the virus and going to the hospital. We've uh, we've put together a, a montage, a montage of the media coverage of Trump being uh, declared to have had the coronavirus and heading to the hospital. And, and here's what that sounds like. This is a, a combination of cum- accumulation of media reaction and some Twitter reaction as well from liberal media elites and, and the woke crowd on Twitter. This is generally the reaction to the news that Trump got the coronavirus and was heading uh, to the hospital. Oh, Yes! 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 Oh, oh! Oh yes! 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 Oh! Yes! 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 yes. Oh, oh! Oh! Oh god! There you have it. There's the montage that we put together of the liberal media reaction to Trump getting the coronavirus and going into the hospital. It wasn't, by the way, just Trump. Uh, the uh, Obviously, there were other Republicans who also have tested positive, many of whom attended a reception for Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Barrett. And I will say this, as someone who has been a, an extreme contrarian on our reaction to the coronavirus that event and the way it was handled was really fucking stupid, really, really, really fucking stupid. Not because uh, there was no social distancing and very few masks, which, of course, you know, is all the, the left is focusing on as to why several people who have attended, including several senators, Republican senators, have contracted the virus, although nobody's in the hospital. No, nobody that I'm aware of is even very sick. No one seems to care about that anymore because we've we've bought into this bizarre premise that having the virus is an inherent catastrophe, which is that's really the linchpin for the destruction of America. Once we accepted that premise, that was created by the news media, it was all over. It was all over. There, there was nothing else that could be done because once you accept that a case or not even a case a positive test for a test that's crap that has an incredibly high negative uh, positive uh, false positive rate uh, once you accept that test that bogus test that even the New York Times has said is bogus uh, as a legitimate catastrophe it's over and that we accepted that premise a long time ago and and the re- but even accepting all of that that nobody's in the hospital, nobody's really sick, uh, both from an optics standpoint as well as a practicality perspective. It was absolutely idiotic to have an event for Amy Barrett that was even close to the, that style uh, of, a, of, of an event. Absolutely stupid. And let me tell you why. It's not because I'm against public outside events. I'm in favor of them but I'm not in favor of them when you're going to put everybody there who is absolutely, positively, has to be hands on deck, healthy and ready to go for an incredibly short period of time, a small window to get a once-in-a-lifetime Supreme Court nominee confirmed to the Supreme Court. I mean, that—that's that, who thought of that? Who thought that was a great idea? Who thought that, hey, you know what? We got a very limited window here. We got maybe only a couple of weeks to get this thing done. Let's make a situation where a lot of our guys are going to have to be quarantined. What? 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 You cannot be serious. But somebody decided that was a good idea. And so, you know, and, and, and you know, the investigation now. boy, the media, which is incredibly lazy and incompetent, boy, they're getting to the bottom of who gave who the virus, when the pictures, the videos, who was wearing a mask, who wasn't. Of course, there were people who got it who were wearing masks. Somehow that doesn't seem to matter anymore. It's amazing. If you're a mask wearing governor and you get the virus, well, that's just the virus being the virus. But if you're a uh a Republican who doesn't believe in masks and you get the virus. Aha! Aha! That's the reason why you got the virus. It just flat out ridiculous. That's where we are now. That's the bizarre world in which we now live. So the Barrett event, because of the timing, was absolutely idiotic. And I don't even care about the optics of it. I actually like the optics of it. But from a practicality standpoint, you don't do that. If you're about to get married... You don't do something that might get you sick, right? That's effectively what this is. (laughs) Now, thankfully, in this situation, the bride has already had the coronavirus, Amy Barrett. So apparently she can't get sick. But that was really stupid. And I I am gravely concerned that because of the shifting political environment and because of all these people getting the virus and because the window is so short, If anything goes wrong at all with Barrett's nomination and, you know, liberals are going to be chomping at the bit to jump on anything that might go wrong, then this could get delayed until after the election. And then if it's after the election, I think she's toast because I think Trump is going to lose and I think Trump has no leverage after that. And I think that you're not going to be able to hold Republicans together, especially after they've lost The Senate, which is looking increasingly uh, likely to happen. And so I don't I mean, I still believe it's over 50 percent. And I'm rooting for it because at this point, that's all we've got to try to salvage the country from this catastrophe that's about to happen and is in the process of occurring. But uh, if that event was very, very stupid, uh, but not for the reasons that the media is portraying it as being dumb. Now, as far as uh, Trump himself uh, and his uh, visit to the hospital, I thought at first he handled it exceedingly well. I thought the first video message that he gave from the hospital was really good. Uh, I thought he was human, which was highly unusual for, for Trump. That almost never happens. Correct. And I thought he hit the, basically the right tone. And I thought, wow, OK, you know, is, is it possible that maybe this is going to change him a little bit? I'm never delusional enough to think, oh, my gosh, he's suddenly at 74 years old, going to be a changed man because he has a bout with coronavirus. But I thought, OK, there, there's a shot here that, that he's actually going to be a real president for the last couple of months that uh, he's in office. Um, but that quickly changed. Uh, he got out of the hospital. I'm sure he was really eager to get out as soon as possible because he's he's very much invested in the idea that he's a superhuman, that his DNA is better than other people's, and that uh, he's able to fight these things off. And, uh, and so, you know, his doctor said he was okay. His doctor said that he uh, wasn't even able to give the virus to other people, that he was somehow not contagious, that there was no live virus within him. I, I don't know how they know that. That's very interesting, if true, I I don't know what make him so different than other people in his situation. And if that is true, boy, that would really dramatically change our understanding of what should be allowed and what shouldn't be allowed as far as regular everyday uh, behavior in this uh, coronavirus era. But that being put aside for a moment, uh, when Trump left the hospital to go back to the White House, the media had a conniption, the very same media that was having the Meg Ryan orgasm uh, when he went in. Uh, they were not happy at all uh, when he left. Here was the uh, the metaphor I used for that. You know, I, I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, and in Pennsylvania in the winter time, uh, especially like in January, February, uh, if the weatherman said that we were about to get a big snowstorm, y- you you went to bed that night, you know, like dreaming of the idea that you weren't going to have school the next day because of the snow. You usually needed about seven eight inches of snow where I grew up uh, in order to prevent a school day. So this is basically what happened with the news media. They They went to bed dreaming of uh, Trump being totally debilitated by the coronavirus, who knows, maybe even dying. And they woke up and all they saw was a slight dusting of snow on the ground. And they realized, oh, crap, we got to go to school. Uh, that was essentially the the media reaction to Trump returning to the White House, and it was best personified by jim acosta uh the white house reporter for cnn and here's what that sounded like
1: oh that's right wolf they'll try to ask him some questions as he comes into the white house but keep in mind this is not just the president returning to the white house this may be patient zero Uh, this is the virus coming back to the white house and i will tell you wolf having been here all day it is eerily quiet uh and empty inside the corridors
0: this is the virus returning to the white house This is the virus returning to the White House.
1: You cannot be serious!
0: This is CNN, the once allegedly uh, independent name of news. I don't know what CNN is going to do, by the way, once they get their wish and Trump loses. I I was thinking about this yesterday. I mean, they have gone so off the rails. They are such a propaganda outlet now. Uh, They're actually farther to the left on the virus and on Trump than even the Democratic National Committee is. I mean that seriously. And so what, what is CNN going to do when Trump loses and Biden takes over and their two, you know, these are obviously connected, the, the two prongs, the two pillars of their entire programming are scaring people about the virus and condemning Donald Trump no matter what he does. Those are the two pillars. Well, Both those pillars are going to be immediately gone as soon as Biden takes over, because while they'll try to pretend that Trump is still around, at least for a while, via his tweets, he's no longer really that relevant. And two, their audience is no longer going to want to hear fear stuff about the virus. One, because I believe the virus is going to be perceived very differently uh, by late January, at least based upon the data than it currently is. But even if it isn't, a large part of the reason why CNN's audience is so jazzed and so loves hearing terrible news about the virus is they perceive it through the prism of this is going to destroy Trump. Well, once that's gone, what the fuck is CNN going to do? <laughs> they're not, they're, they're, the, the Trump hatred is gone. The, the energy behind scaring people in the virus is gone. And all they got is Biden is going to be boring as fuck. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't, I, their ratings are going to go completely in the tank. But this is what CNN's become. And that was representative of the general reaction to Trump getting out of the hospital. And then Trump himself gave an address. Now, he, of course, after he actor, he was videotaped, huffing and puffing, taking off his mask. Oh, my gosh. Taking off his mask, people went absolutely bananas when that happened.
1: Are you not entertained?
0: He's alone. On the balcony of the White House, he takes off his mask. His doctor has said he's not contagious. And somehow this is a, a crime against humanity, according to the news media. But after he went back into the White House, he immediately did another videotape. And this one was not as good, in my opinion, as the one from the hospital. This one was in, rather strange. Uh, and again, I'm coming at this from, stum- from the standpoint of I sympathize with Trump's general view or what appears to be his general view. It changes all the time. And that's one of his biggest political problems with regard to the virus and whether or not it's nearly as serious as, a, as it has been portrayed. But uh, he's a bit delusional here Because he is pretending that everybody has the same kind of access to health care that he does, that uh, they're getting tested every day uh, and and that somehow his experience has shown that you have nothing to be afraid of, even if you're in a very vulnerable demographic uh, of the virus. And and then he gets a little weird with regard to the issue of immunity. And here's what that sounded like after the president returned to the White House.
1: I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders. And I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're gonna beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're gonna beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune, I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there, be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved, and the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much.
0: All right, now, again, I sympathize with the general gist of that. I actually think that if he had given that speech at the beginning of this uh, under different circumstances, then that, that might have been effective. I'm very confused by elements of it. And maybe I'm misinterpreting what he means because his syntax obviously uh, gets disjointed. And sometimes you're you're confused as to what he's referring to. But when he starts getting into I had to do that, I had to lead I didn't want to but I had what 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 the fuck is that is he talking about I got the virus on because I had to or or I had to go to the hospital or I I had to recover quickly or I I don't understand what he means is he referring maybe to the shutdown back in in March and April that seems to be contradicted by the fact that he immediately talks about his, his own experience and you know how he beat it and he thinks you can beat it too so I was he seemed out of it. He he, he was all over the map. And I do think it's emblematic of his biggest mistake during this whole thing, at least politically, which I have I have talked about constantly on this podcast. He couldn't pick a lane and he can't pick a lane in that speech that he posted on his Twitter feed. He still can't pick a lane. And the lane he should have picked politically was assuming he, you know, couldn't have figured out that Fauci was lying to him when he said that two million plus Americans are going to die of this. I get that 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 would scare the crap out of any president. But eventually you realize Fauci was wrong and eventually you shift course. And eventually, in order to do that, you admit that you were wrong. Thankfully, you were wrong. And that the original shutdown after the first 15 days to flatten the curve, which turned out to be the biggest fucking lie of all time, after that was a mistake. And that his own experience, which in a rational world would give him at least some credibility on this since he's had it and experienced it, even though he's experienced it under obviously very unique circumstances, being the president of the United States and the nature of the care that he's getting. The the reality is that he could have shifted course and said, "Okay, we've learned a lot now and it's time to get back to life. It's too late for that. It's too late for that now because the narrative has already taken hold. Uh, Everyone already is deeply invested in whatever their view of this thing they want to have is. And and he picked the wrong lane because he didn't pick any lane. And now he's getting blamed on every front. And it's partially his own damn fault. But I... I, (laughs) I, this sounds so contradictory coming from a guy who's an ardent uh, uh, Trump critic and obviously the host of the Individual One podcast. I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. It is it is really um, bizarre and a bit depressing to me that Trump is going to end up being destroyed over something that he really doesn't deserve to be destroyed over. That his, he basically did what the experts told him to do. And then the rug got pulled out from under him. And Democrats are bizarrely not getting any blame. And this is one of the reasons why Trump fans don't understand why Trump is doomed. See, Trump fans think, wait a minute, come on. Uh, There's no way that liberals and Democrats aren't going to be punished for these extreme lockdowns that have destroyed life. In places like Pennsylvania and Michigan, where we've got super liberal governors who have become fascists and have shut down all life unnecessarily. Those are key states. Well, it's clear that what's happening is that Trump is actually getting blamed more than the Democratic governors are. That Trump is the one that's getting blamed for their lives, not getting back to normal, that their lives have been taken away from them. And you know what's a great example of this? And the Biden people seem to understand this. Give credit to the Biden campaign. When they ran that ad blaming Trump for killing college football. Remember that? Specifically Big Ten college football. I said at the time, that's lunacy, but that might be effective. And here we have a situation where Trump played a role in getting Big Ten football back. And yet... In Michigan and Pennsylvania, two of the biggest Big Ten states, it appears as if the Biden narrative has worked. And I'm not just talking about Big Ten football. I'm talking about in general that somehow those voters are not making the connection that Trump is actually more on the side of opening things up while their governors are destroying their lives unnecessarily. They're not blaming The Democrats for that, at least the key voters aren't, they're blaming Trump. They're saying that the governors, in their minds at least subconsciously, had no choice because of all these alleged mistakes that Trump made on the national level. That appears to be the narrative that has won the day, at least among key swing independent voters, and that's partially why Trump is screwed, because there's no turning back on that. It's too late. It's too late, even though there are good signs within the virus data and Trump's own experience should have been emblematic of that because he has recovered remarkably quickly depending obviously depending on what happens in the next few days but it looks like he's going to survive this uh, quite easily despite being in a vulnerable demographic so the, the the facts on the ground are actually should be rationally in Trump's favor but the perception is 180 degrees different And it's too late to change that perception, because once people get invested in a narrative, it's over. It's completely over. Uh, And it's been exceedingly frustrating for me on so many levels. Uh, But one in particular is that, you know, and I've said this in other areas, having Trump be the spokesperson for something you believe in is uh, is incredibly excruciating. Uh, It's the reverse Midas effect. Everything he touches turns to crap. I'm in favor of schools opening. Trump comes out in favor of schools, just like I suggest that he should. And what happens? Schools get closed down because the left reacts to Trump coming out in favor, and they can't be in favor of anything he's in favor of. And so the narrative completely shifts, and schools don't open. That's because of Trump. That's because Trump is so damn toxic. The same thing almost happened with college football but college football has so many fans that eventually the even the liberal nut jobs who run those uh, universities had to reverse themselves at least just to save face and to prevent rioting but you know another perfect example of this is the mask thing i am completely and totally convinced that masks do nothing nothing there is zero data which is why the scientific community was never in favor of mask use by the masses. Back in March and April, we played the clip from Fauci numerous times where he basically mocked masks. The Surgeon General, the CDC, they all said the same thing. The reason why mask mandates got implemented is because the politics changed, not the science. The data is overwhelming. There are dozens and dozens of states and counties and countries where it's obvious that the mask mandate, if if it did anything, it actually exacerbated the problem where new cases increased dramatically after in the weeks after the mask mandates were implemented. But I'm even willing to be reasonable and say, you know what? It doesn't matter either way. That was just coincidental. Sometimes the mask mandates were implemented because the so-called experts anticipated there was going to be a spike. And so you can't really blame the masks for that. But the reality is there's not one chart I've seen in the other direction that clearly shows that a problem was about to happen and the masks mitigated it dramatically or even significantly. It hasn't happened. All you got is a couple of obviously bullshit CYA studies that in theory say that masks help. And those theories are all based upon bullshit projections from the beginning. Real world data does not support a mask mandate. Yet Trump, and this is so frustrating, Trump is the absolute worst spokesperson for this on the planet. One, because like in general on the the virus, he can't pick a lane. He doesn't want to for a guy who supposedly has balls down to his knees. He's actually a complete wussy on this. He's all, oh, I, I wear a mask. Uh, you know, he sees, you know, he said that at the debate. He took out his mask at the debate. But then he's also mocking Biden for the size of his mask as if that matters. And so here he is. It's the worst of both worlds. This is classic Trump. The worst of both worlds. He doesn't fight the fight against masks. He only winks and nods at the anti-mask people who he knows are his base politically, but he does absolutely nothing to actually forward this argument or to defeat the other side. And in fact, by him being perceived as being anti-mask, it even lowers our credibility further because he is seen as anti-science and anything he's in favor of inherently must be wrong. Like, for instance, school openings, or college football, or what have you. It must be wrong. It must be anti-science because Trump is in favor of it. And the classic example of how this is a double-edged sword, and how the left gets to have it both ways, is you know while he was in the hospital, he went out on that uh, joyride, the joyride on in the motorcade uh, to go see the people who were outside the Medical Reed, uh, the what Medical Reed, the Walter Reed Medical Center, to say hello and to thank them for their support. Well, he goes out in the limousine in a full-on mask, but because there were people in the car with him, I presume Secret Service, somehow he was endangering their lives. Now, um, wait, hold, on, hold on a second. Can we please hold on? I thought the mask was supposed to uh, prevent that kind of stuff, right? So I guess you mask people don't really believe that. If everyone's wearing a mask, aren't they protected? I guess not. So I guess that's a lie, right? Not to mention the idea that a Secret Service agent, who's young and healthy, has has taken a pledge to take a bullet for the president of the United States. (laughs) I don't think they're that concerned about getting the flu, potentially, because that's what essentially this is. Let's face it now, folks. This is the flu for young, healthy people. And in fact, you could argue it's even less than the flu currently, depending on uh, your medical situation. Uh, So, um, But that created all sorts of frenzy. When uh, Trump went out in a mask, in a car, somehow he was endangering those around him. Again, this goes back to this ridiculous notion that every case is the same, every case is a catastrophe, and that somehow they can be avoided, that somehow magically government, or if we all just behave like good children, the virus will stop. That's bullshit. That's, that is an absurdity on its face. And so to see Trump, Trump, you know, he's the absolute worst spokesperson possible for everything uh, that, that someone like me believes in. And it's exceedingly frustrating. And what's going to eventually happen here very soon, once he loses the election, is that its floodgates are really going to open. I mean, every insanity that's going to ensue after Trump loses is going to be because of Trump. He is going to be the person who allowed it to occur. He's the one who handed the weapons to the left, the barbarians at the gate, to, to coming in and destroying what's left of America. It's because of him. If Hillary had won, none of this would be happening. I'll probably do a whole episode before this podcast uh, finishes, which I'm sure will be fairly soon because of the fact that, that Trump is going to lose and there's therefore no need to do an Individual One podcast you come to the beginning of 2021 uh, when Individual One is no longer president, but I'll, I'll get into further details on that in the future. But the reality is that... What's coming is because of Trump. His fans think he's the guy who is defending them from this ensuing chaos. But in fact, he's the one facilitating it. I love the poorly educated. That's the reality of this. That's maybe the most important point of this entire podcast. Everything is the opposite of the way most people seem to perceive it as being. Trump is not a fireman. He's an arsonist. He destroys everything he pretends to be in favor of, even when he's actually in favor of it. And the mask thing is a perfect example because he's all over the map and he has harmed the cause of being against masks. And let's be clear, you want to wear a mask? Fine. Knock yourself out. You might actually do that due to lack of oxygen. I have nothing against people wearing their masks, although it is annoying to watch I, I got to say, I have to say I, it is really annoying to watch children being forced to wear masks. Uh, it, I, I see it as is public sanctioned child abuse. That's what it is. It's publicly sanctioned child abuse. I've even I've seen we're now technically required to use masks on the playgrounds that have just finally opened up after seven months where I live. I've seen uh, kids in, in uh, athletic uh, situations being forced to wear masks. I, I have a, a niece who has to play soccer. They, they, they play soccer in masks. Soccer. Little kids playing soccer in masks. You cannot be serious. It's, it's absurd. The whole thing is absolutely insane. And it's being further facilitated because Trump is perceived as anti-mask. So therefore, it must be wrong. That's the price we're all paying for Donald Trump being president of the United States. And it's only going to get... Worse than that now, as far as where we're heading, we are heading for some uh, really crazy times folks. We've got the, um, the Barrett nomination, which I, I think is perilous because of the timing factors here and that if anything goes wrong, uh, you know then all hell's gonna break loose on that front. We've got the stimulus talks and yesterday Donald Trump tweeted and it, you know who knows if this is the the medication? or just his normal insanity. Uh, but he, he tweeted that he was ending stimulus talks. There has not been a stimulus in several months. And uh, the Fed chairman said, uh, hello, uh, this is an emergency. Uh, we need a stimulus because the economy is hanging by a thread here. And what does Trump do? Now, look, I fully acknowledge that the Democrats are are asking for ridiculous stuff, I get it. They have their crazy on. Nancy Pelosi is asking for the moon, the stars, the sun, because she knows she can get it, or at least she thinks she can. And she doesn't want to hand you know, Trump a total victory just before the election. And so I get that Democrats are, I'm sure, not negotiating in good faith. But Trump goes out on Twitter yesterday and declares that he is ending stimulus talks until after the election. Until after the election. It's just flat out ridiculous. Under the premise that he's going to win and therefore he'll have more leverage then, and this is going to be done on his terms, and that's going to be that. The stock market immediately tanked to a fairly significant degree. Uh, That has shifted, at least as of this taping this morning, because now Trump has walked back some of that. And very strangely, he even tweeted after ending negotiations, he tweeted an article about the Fed chairman saying we desperately need a, a, a stimulus. And he wrote the word true exclamation point. <laughs> what? Which? What? You cannot be serious. So, so which is it? I mean, this is where I'm starting to think the medication is having a major impact on, on Trump's normal insanity. But here's the bottom line of this. Um, First of all, this should not be a situation where you're negotiating, uh, you know, this is too serious. I mean, I'm in favor of negotiation, but I'm not I'm saying you don't kill negotiations until after you win, which is still, you know, at least another month away. And then you have to go through that negotiating process and then the process of actually getting the checks out to people. So you're you're talking about delaying at least a month or two what could be very critical aid for keeping the country afloat if you believe the Fed chairman. But my bigger issue is Trump is playing a poker game. We all know how terrible he is at poker or his fans think he's a great chess player. He can't even play checkers. The reality is if this is a poker game, he's acting like he has a full house, when in reality, at best, he has a pair of threes. Correct. He's got nothing. He has nothing. And in fact, that pair of threes today, yesterday was a pair of threes. Today is a pair of twos. And it might end up not even being a pair of twos soon because he's going to lose. And everybody knows it. Everybody around him now knows it, that he is going to lose barring a miracle. So the idea that you're bluffing that, hey, I'm going to wait until I win uh, is absurd because if you if you wait, not only are you endangering the economy and you're, you're causing pain in people's lives if you're going to do this, and I'm not a big stimulus fan to begin with, but if it has to be done, look, you know, that's that's unfortunately the situation we're in. But if you're going to do that uh, and you lose, think about what's going to happen if, when he loses. The lame duck session, you thought the debate was a shit show. The lame duck session we're heading towards is going to make the debate seem like child's play. It's going to be that much of a shit show. And part of the shit show is going to be Trump now totally powerless, no leverage whatsoever, a a diminished Republican Party. Everyone's going to be uh, abandoning ship. Uh, The Republicans are going to be terrified of the fact that they've just lost their uh, Senate majority in all likelihood. And, you know, they got creamed, I'm sure, in the House races again. Everyone knows Biden's going to be president in in late January, Democrats will have absolutely zero incentive, zero incentive to, to negotiate in good faith after Trump has lost. And the country now will then have to go through another two plus months of being in this limbo. And so now, now by the time you get into the end of January, February, you're at four months after the Fed chairman has sounded the alarm and this is going to cause all sorts of chaos. All, and, and who the hell knows what Trump's mental state would be. He may just say, fuck it, I don't give a shit about the country at that point. I mean, I, I think all bets are off. All bets are off in the lame duck session if and when Trump loses. I, I think it, it it could get so crazy that, you know, you even have serious talk of Trump being removed by the cabinet. I really think that that is a possibility, and I'm someone who has always felt that the whole 25th Amendment thing is bullshit and is never going to happen, and that the discussions that have have already been publicly mentioned about that were never realistic. But I think anything is possible in this lame duck session because of this perfect storm of circumstances, and that's even presuming that Barrett has already been confirmed to the Supreme Court, which I'm not 100% convinced of. So this is where we're heading. And at the bottom line of all this is that Trump is going to lose. The election is now pretty much over. I've written a column about this yesterday, which you can find at Individual One Pod, our Twitter feed, or on my Twitter feed. And and frankly, when I wrote the column, it was based upon data that is now actually fairly old. If I wrote the column today, it would have been even more declarative that Trump is going to lose, although this was a pretty declarative column based upon the data that we had at the time, and it's not just the data, folks. People think you know that I'm completely wedded to polls and that I believe all polls. How can you believe polls because they were wrong in 2016, folks? Um, it's not all just polls, but let me just be clear about the polling in 2016. The polling in 2016 was not nearly as far off as people perceive. As we've learned from the pandemic, Americans are really, really, really bad at math. Correct. And the reality is that when people said, like I did, that Hillary Clinton had an 85% chance of winning the election, you know what that meant? That meant that Trump had a 15% chance or so of winning, which is not a great chance, but it's not inconceivable. That means that's a reasonable possibility. That's a close election. And the national polls were pretty much dead on at the end. The only polls that were off were Michigan and Wisconsin and maybe a couple of other states were slightly off, but within the margin of error like Pennsylvania. And and the reason why Michigan and Wisconsin were off was because Democrats didn't show up cuz they were so complacent cuz they thought that Hillary was a shoe in. So those are circumstances that are not going to happen. They're not going to be in place in 2020. Oh, by the way, we also have more data after 2016. Trump fans, bizarrely, have totally forgotten that we had an election in 2018. And what happened in 2018? Well, the polls were pretty darn close to accurate, and Trump got crushed. Trump got routed. Democrats took over the House, and Republicans, despite having a very, very favorable map did not really extend their power in the Senate. And we now know that Trump, for sure, is a negative turnout machine. I keep hearing all the time from Trump fans, oh, but Trump has all this enthusiasm on his side and Biden has no enthusiasm. Look at, no one shows up at his events. No one is showing up at his events because his people are all scared of the fucking virus. They all, they're listening to the, 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 the alarmist telling them to stay home, social distance, wear your masks. So, of course, they're not going to show up at a Biden event. They don't need to. They know they're going to vote for him. Maybe not enthusiastically, but the enthusiasm is on the part of being against Trump. It's just amazing to me that Trump fans don't understand this. This is the price Trump pays for being so toxic. He is an incredible motivator. In a negative direction. If he hadn't been, the enthusiasm gap would matter. I would think that Trump would actually have a chance because it's correct that there's not much enthusiasm for Biden. But guess what? There's no enthusiasm meter on a vote. If you vote uh, against somebody or not very enthusiastically in favor of Joe Biden, it counts just as much as if you go into the polling booth with a, a red MAGA hat on. It's the same same vote. And so I'm not big into believing that the enthusiasm gap is going to be Trump's savior, especially when it looks like, by all, all accounts, this is going to be a very, very high turnout election, which is why, by the way, Trump hates mail-in voting. Because in a pandemic without mail-in voting, if you if you eliminated mail-in voting, I believe Trump would win this election because his fans are are more enthusiastic, and they're not afraid of going out in public. Bidens are the opposite. So that's why Trump hates mail-in voting. It's not because there's going to be massive fraud involved with that. It's because he knows it's not good for him. But the polling deserves to be defended. I'm someone who hates conventional wisdom. I hate the media. I hate experts who are arrogant. Uh, But even with all that said, having worked briefly in the polling industry and really didn't like it very much, I understand these people. Their self-interest is in not being wrong again, in not missing Trump voters again. I can assure you they are working overtime, bending over backwards to make sure they're not missing Trump voters again, because if they're wrong catastrophically again this time, then polling is going to be in the same position Disneyland is in. It's over. It's done. There's no coming back. And so they're not that dumb. Now, is it possible Trump's going to overperform some of the polls? Sure. That's possible. I even, in some areas of the country, I hope that's the case because it at least shows some semblance of hope that there's some resistance to this insanity that we're enduring. But there's just too much to overcome. And, and, and he it's clear that he, he is way behind in Pennsylvania right now, which is a must, must, must-win state for him. Even Rasmussen, his favorite pollster, is out today with a poll indicating he is 12 points down nationally. When you lose Rasmussen and you're Trump, you're in big, big trouble. Correct. I mean, because Rasmussen has been comically, comically— uh, biased towards Trump for a very long time and, a, and particularly in this particular, particular cycle. So for Rasmussen to publicly come out with a poll nationwide with Biden blowing the doors off of it and that that poll is similar to others, it now appears as if Biden's lead is in double digits popular vote wise. Now, that's not how we choose a president. But when Biden is over 50 percent, which he is now in the average of national polls, and Trump is at 42 percent, and I've always told you, Trump needs to be at least in the 45, 46 range to be able to ride the ride. Speaking of Disneyland, to be eligible to ride the ride, he's got to get to 45 or 46. His approval rating has to be at 47. He's not even close right now. He's not even close and he's diminishing quickly. Now, in theory, you know, could his recovery from coronavirus be a spark that changes that? Eh, uh, You know, maybe on the fringes, maybe if he's lucky a little bit. But there's too much ground to cover, not enough time and not enough options. And the Trump campaign has been pathetic. And today is a classic example. I mean, tonight is the vice presidential debate. Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris has has gotten an absolute free ride as vice president for Joe Biden, which is astonishing to me because there has never been a vice presidential candidate who is more certain of being president in my lifetime and certainly in the modern history of this country, maybe in this country ever. I mean, there is no chance Joe Biden is serving two terms. Zero which means whether he dies or resigns or or doesn't run for a second term, Kamala Harris is going to be president. And her record is remarkably unknown to the vast majority of Americans. My God, she's in favor of reparations for slavery. You cannot be serious. And yet the Trump campaign has had almost no focus on her at all. And I believe it's the biggest mistake the Trump campaign has made. Living here in California, and since she's a senator in California, I believe that if Trump would have made the focus of this campaign, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, and Kamala Harris, Biden's vice presidential nominee, if he had decided, you know what? I'm not running against Joe Biden. I'm running against Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris because Newsom is the future of the Democratic Party, Newsom's insanity is going to run through the rest of this country if Biden and Harris win and Harris is the future president. I'm going to run against them. And let me tell you about all the craziness coming out of California. Just yesterday, and Trump even tweeted this, although he tweeted this all wrong today. Just yesterday, the governor of California urged people, now that some areas are allowing you to to eat in a restaurant, that if you go to a restaurant and you wear your mask to make sure you keep your mask on while you are eating. You cannot be serious. He did this seriously. Now, thankfully, as a glimmer of hope for for rationality, that tweet got ratioed horrendously (laughs) because even I think liberal nutjobs realize that's crazy. How the hell are you supposed to eat with a mask on? And we've been told, even by Fauci, that one of the worst things you can do is fiddle with your mask and have your hands all over your nose and your face and what have you. It's just insanity. And, and this is just the tip of the iceberg of California nuttiness. And by the way, California is currently studying reparations for black people, slaves, who never even frickin' lived in California. There's, no, there's not a grandchild of a slave living in California right now. And yet we're about to give reparations to black people for slavery, something that hasn't even existed in any of their lifetimes. It's madness. The handling of the virus has been madness uh, to, to almost a comical degree. I actually believe Gavin Newsom is disappointed that Trump hasn't attacked him. I think he's been like begging for it. That's the only explanation I can come up with. And getting back to... What makes Trump tick? Why has Trump not gone after Newsom? Well, the only reasonable explanation I can come up with is that because Newsom was married to Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend and that in Trump's fucked up mind, this makes Newsom part of his tribe. That's the way he looks at the world. And so therefore, because Newsom has said occasionally some decent things about uh, Trump even though he really hasn't. I don't know why Trump has missed the parts where Newsom has gone after him, uh, Trump pretty hard. But for whatever reason, there is, seems to be this pact that Trump uh, has agreed to to not go after Newsom. And it's a critical mistake because he could have he could have totally changed this election by making this about the future of the country becoming California. And instead, not only has that not happened, Harris has gotten a free ride. Now, I don't know what's going to happen tonight in the vice presidential debate. Pence is not great at this kind of thing. Uh, he has no real credibility. Uh, you know, I don't even know if the reparations thing or some of the other madness is even going to come up. I'm sure the media, you know, we, we already know how, what the media reaction is going to be to Harris's performance tonight. Oh, yes, yes, yes. All right. Now, I think we got the idea there. I mean, that's what's going to happen. And so... There are very, very few options at this point for Trump to turn this around. Very, very few options. I I can't even believe that there's going to be another presidential debate. I I predicted after the first one, even before Trump got the coronavirus, that there might not be a second debate. And if you're Biden, why would you bother debating at this point? You clearly won the first debate based upon the, the reaction of the polls. Trump now has the frickin' coronavirus, even though he probably isn't contagious. It doesn't matter. Perception is reality. So Biden can claim for his own personal safety that he doesn't want to debate Trump. The media is going to completely side with Biden if he does that. There'll be no punishment whatsoever at all if Biden bails on a second debate. And I don't understand why you would even bother. But even if there is a second debate, Trump is screwed. He's checkmated because he was such a bully in the first debate. Now he can't be a bully again, which means he has to draw it back, which means he can't be as aggressive. And in fact, he'll probably end up looking weak. I mean, I guess he could decide to be a bully again, but obviously that did not work the first time. It ain't going to work the second time. So he's like a football team that's down by a couple of touchdowns in the last couple of minutes and isn't allowed to throw the ball. Good luck. So what's, what is the, what is the path? The only path for Trump at this point is Biden gets the coronavirus and doesn't recover nearly as well as it appears Trump has. That's the only logical path. So in theory, there's still, and this has been such a crazy year, I guess anything's possible. In theory, there's still a chance, I guess, there's always a chance. So you're saying there's a chance, as Jim Carrey once famously said. Th- yeah, there's there's a theoretical chance because it hasn't 100% over yet. But we're talking about 5% tops, probably closer to 2%. Probably a 2% shot at this point of Trump winning. And it's got to be something really dramatic on the side of Biden. Biden has to completely collapse at this point, probably physically, For Trump to have a shot. And part of me is happy about that. And part of me fears greatly for the future of the country and the world because of that. That's what a messed up world we're living in. And I'm not going to vote for either of them. I can't. I had intended to vote for Biden until the Democratic Party completely lost their fucking minds over the last several months. Uh, I'm going to vote for the libertarian candidate. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that Trump is for sure going to get blown out. He might get blown out. I mean this thing is looking like a lot like 1980 when incumbent Jimmy Carter got blasted by Ronald Reagan. In fact, there's another comparison I think that's possibly similar to the to the Reagan Carter situation if you recall if you're old like me it, it, that the moment that Reagan got inaugurated is when the Iranians let go of our American hostages. Remember that, like at 1201 on Inauguration Day? I can see a similar situation where they finally let the vaccine out of hostage at 1201 on Inauguration Day. I can see that happening in a very similar way, where the the, the vaccine is going to be held politically hostage— until Biden is inaugurated. And then while Biden is just after he gets the oath of office, they're going to inject him with the vaccine. Like he'll be the first one to get the vaccine to make sure he's protected. And then finally, Uh, we can start to slowly uh, get to some semblance of rationality and not normalcy, but at least maybe heading in that direction because now the energy will be finally gone from the pro-lockdown, pro-alarmist perspective because so much of that energy is based in the idea that this is bad for Trump, this is how we get rid of Trump, and that's why people are bathing in it, bathing in this insanity. And that will hopefully and presumably be gone uh, once Biden is inaugurated. But unless he has a major health problem, uh, that's the way I see it going down. So, again, uh, we'll put the official, we'll split the difference. We'll put it at uh, 3.5 percent chance that Trump is uh, reelected as of today. Uh, But I don't know that it's going to be a blowout. And whether or not it's a blowout is going to make a major, major difference in uh, what happens after that with regard to the Republican Party, uh, whether there's a timely concession uh, and, and all sorts of other things related to that. So there's still lots of drama to come, but I do not believe uh, that Trump can win this election. He has now completely lost uh, all control over this. He no longer controls his own destiny. He needs a major, major catastrophe from the other side. That'll do it for this episode of the Individual One Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at IndividualTheNumber One Pod. That's at IndividualTheNumber One Pod. Until next week, my name is John Ziegler. This is the Global Story Network.